Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. Eagle Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including movie reviews, celebrity interviews, classic radio shows, trivia contests, and showbiz news. This hour, we're on Hollywood 360. I'll present Miracle on 34th Street on the Screen Director's Playhouse, starring Edmund Gwen and Natalie Wood. But first, national movie critic Sarah Adamson is here to review two films that recently released, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2, and The Big Short. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Excellent. Let's talk about The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. Slow hour advance, President Snow is building a minefield of traps. The sadistic inventions of game makers meant to make sport of our deaths. Ladies and gentlemen... Welcome to the 76th Hunger Games. What's this film all about, as if I didn't know? <laughs> I've only seen a bunch of other ones. Oh, I know. You have a daughters. <laughs> you have daughters. Uh, it's rated PG-13. It's a teen sci-fi drama by Lionsgate. Right. And it's also in 3D. Oh, great. So this is the second half of Suzanne Collins' final Hunger Games book series. It's over? Yes! All right, something to celebrate. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's directed by Francis Lawrence, who directed four of the other films. The story continues with Katniss Everdeen, Jennifer Lawrence, recovering after being attacked by PETA, Joss Hutchinson. Right. She asks President Coyne, Julianne Moore, if she could go to the Capitol and kill President Snow. Hmm. Yeah, Donald Sutherland. And so, yeah, Sutherland the Snow, right? Yeah, she wants to go. And Liam mm-hmm. Hemsworth is in this, too. Oh, and yes. They bring back everybody. They do. Right? Woody Harrelson, yeah, Elizabeth he's Banks. He's got some weird hair in this movie. Oh, yeah, he he's got does. got some very weird hair. Elizabeth Banks is a kooky character. Yes. Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman, his final oh, role. Oh, his final film, yep. yeah. Yep. All right, another clip from The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Turn your weapons to the Capitol. No. So what did you think of the film? Well, I'm in three stars. You know, I say see That's because you're nice. Well, if you're a fan of the series and I've read all the books and seen all the movies, then I have to say that the films are true to the, the books, mm-hmm. which is what the fans right. want. Right. They do a good job you know, in but, recreating the, the written word. Yes, but I really have never been a fan of the books or the movies. But this one does keep you on the edge of your seat. You're in constant... Because you're trying to get out of the theater. Yeah, constant state of uneasiness. Right. And, um, you know, it's well done if you like teen depressing drama. <laughs> uh, right? If you want to be depressed out of your mind <laughs> for two seriously. and a half hours, then yeah. go see The Hunger Games yeah. Mockingjay Part 2. Right, and it's way too scary, we must say, for yeah, children they, they under 13. they kill other kids, and they're shooting with bows and arrows and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, the entire right. series has this doom and gloom. Yeah, well, you know what? If it was up to me, these wouldn't have made a dollar. 
<laughs> so Oh, they've made a lot. I know, they have. Well, that just goes to show you. All right, so uh, how many stars? Three stars. I say three. For the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Let's talk now about the big short. All the banks were having a big old party. A few outsiders saw what no one else could. The whole world economy might collapse. I'm sure the world's banks have more incentives than greed. You're wrong. So what's this film all about? It's rated R. It's a comedy drama by Paramount Pictures. The writer and director is Adam McKay. Will Ferrell's Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. The film is based on Michael Lewis's bestseller of the same name. It stars Christian Bale, who plays the real-life person, Michael Burry. Steve Carell also stars. But we have Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt co-starring. Right. With Melissa Leo and Marissa Tomei. Huh. You know, this is a story of the housing market crash in 2008. It's told by following three different groups and one individual who saw a way to short the market. Right, make a lot of money on everyone else's misery. Yes, they bet against the mortgage loans. Mm -hmm. And you also see intermittent scenes by Margot Robbie, Mm -hmm. Anthony Bourdain, and Selena Gomez. All right, another clip from The Big Short. How can the banks let this happen? It's fueled by stupidity. But that's not stupidity, that's fraud. Tell me the difference between stupid and illegal, and I'll have my wife's brother arrested. (laughs) (laughs) You have any idea what you just did? You just bet against the American economy. So what did you think of the film? Oh, I'm in. Three and a half stars. The main reason to see this film is the outstanding performances by Christian Bale and Steve Carell. Yeah, well, Steve Carell is a, quite a good actor. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not just a comedian. He is an excellent actor. Yeah. And we all, of course, know Christian Bale's a terrific actor and all these other actors. Oh, absolutely. Carell plays this pushy, rude, no-filter kind of guy, but he is actually the moral compass of the story. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, gosh, Bale plays... This barefoot, heavy metal guy who just is a math genius mm-hmm. and sees all of this coming down. Right, he can he can foresee the future, really. Yeah, I mean, and I have to give credit to Adam McKay. You know, he's more of a comedy guy, but what a depressing topic. Mm-hmm. And to mix this movie up like this, it's done really well. Yeah, well, you know, it really happened, and it was interesting to show this side of the whole crisis that happened in the mid-2000s. Yes. So, all right, so uh, three and a half stars yes. for The Big Short and three stars for The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. You heard it here, Sarah Adamson says, but check out all of her reviews, not just the one she does here on Hollywood 360, at her website, which is sarahsbackstagepass.com. Sarah, great having you on the show. Thank you, Carl. It's always my pleasure. All right, Lisa, I want to remind our listeners that this show is podcast. That's right. This show is podcast every week. So like this show will be on our website, Hollywood360radio.com. On Monday, you can get this entire show, this entire four-hour show on podcast along with what? Along with the bonus hour. Hey, pretty good. Right. Hang on a second. Hang (laughs) on a second. That will never be heard here on Hollywood360. That's right. That's right. Lux. You listen. You're very good, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. Wow. Yeah, so this whole show is podcast with an additional hour of classic radio that we're not going to air on Hollywood 360. How do you get that? Just go to Hollywood360radio.com and check out our podcast. Uh, it's it's up every Monday. 
We put the new podcast up so you have a whole week to hear this show at your convenience. That's right. And there's also specials, all kinds of specials. We have a weekly special of classic radio on CD and digital download and all kinds of fun stuff. We have a whole store with uh, thousands, literally thousands, of classic radio shows available on CD and digital download. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, it's Miracle on 34th Street on the Screen Director's Playhouse. You won't want to miss it. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Lisa, there was a series back on radio called the Screen Director's Playhouse. Have you heard of it? I certainly have. Well, they used to take hit movies and adapt it for radio airplay. You know, that was big business back in the golden age of radio. Shows like the Lux Radio Theater, Screen Guild Players, these are just some of the ones that did that. They took the movie and made it on radio, kind of adapted it for radio. And on this show, Screen Director's Playhouse, the difference was that they added the element of director participation. The director of the movie was at the microphone to introduce the radio adaptation, which usually had one or two of the film stars reprising their screen role. And at the end of the broadcast, the director would make a brief curtain call to reminisce with the star about the making of the film. Pretty cool. And those stars uh, included James Stewart, Cary Grant, Burt Lancaster, Bob Hope, Loretta Young, many more. The uh, directors included Alfred Hitchcock, Frank Capra, William Wyler, and George Marshall. Sponsored by RCA Victor, the Screen Director's Playhouse came to NBC Radio 1949, lasted until 1951. We have a terrific Christmas story for you now. It's going back to uh, Christmas Eve, Eve, uh, December 23rd, 1949, Miracle on 34th Street, one of the best Christmas stories of all time. Edmund Gwen reprises his role as Chris Kringle. And then Natalie Wood plays Susan on this thing, or Susie. And uh, George Seaton, the screen director, is heard here. You hear, you'll hear Willard, Willard Waterman, who was the great Gildersleeve, in a supporting role. Let's tune this in. Part one of the Screen Director's Playhouse. From Hollywood, the Screen Director's Playhouse. <laughs> Screen Director's Playhouse, star Edmund Gwen, production Miracle on 34th Street, director George Seaton. The Hollywood Screen Directors present the motion picture Christmas story, Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen in his original Academy Award winning role of Chris Kringle. Hmm. You don't believe in Santa Claus? Well, why not? Santa Claus believes in you. The jaunty, portly little man with the white whiskers swung his cane as he walked in the brisk November morning. He walked into a department store famous across the nation, Macy's 34th Street, New York, crowded amiably into the elevator and got out at the employment office. It seems a Mrs. Doris Walker was the lady to see up there. Mrs. Walker. Mrs. Walker? Uh, yes? You'll be needing a Santa Claus for your toy department this Christmas. I wish to apply for the position well, we do need a Santa Claus if you're qualified. Oh, I'm eminently qualified. Well, I must certainly say you look like Santa Claus. Well, I certainly should look like Santa Claus. 
You won't even need padding. Oh, no, I carry my own. Now, you understand that Macy's has a line of chores that you may recommend with complete confidence. I assume that I'm hired? Yes. Can you start tomorrow morning, Mr... Uh, Mr... Kringle. What? Kringle. I'm Chris Kringle. The new Santa Claus was positively the most sensational Santa Claus who had ever held court on Macy's seventh floor. He was the real article, all right. He had that deep-down, genuine Kris Kringle crinkle in his eyes. And if he told you anything, you could depend on it. Electric trains? Why, yes, Peter. Yes, madam, right over that way. Realistic models of the chief and super chief. Now, what about you, little girl? Huh? Oh, yes, madam. We have wonderful skates here, but not quite what your little boy seems to want. Now, I'd suggest you go across the street to Gimbel's. Gimbel's? Oh, yes. I keep track of the toy market pretty closely. Why, does that surprise you, Sue? Macy's sending me to another store. Well, the only important thing is to make the children happy, isn't it? Huh? And whether Macy's or somebody else sells the toy doesn't make any difference. Well, it's wonderful. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, you can get it at the Acme Toy Company. Only $8.50, plus tax. And so it went. And so the customers went. <laughs> to other stores if Macy's didn't have it. The grown-ups began to believe in Santa Claus as much as the children. All except one small child named Susan Walker, who finally came to Chris Kringle. A skeptical look on her small face and a prodding young man at her back. Well, young lady, and what would you like for Christmas? Ah, uh, well, go ahead, Susan. Tell Santa what you'd like. What's your name, little girl? Susan Walker, and I don't believe in Santa Claus. Oh. My mother happens to be Mrs. Walker, the lady who hired you. Well, your daddy here believes I'm Santa Claus, I'll bet. He's not my daddy. My father and mother are divorced. This is Mr. Gailey, who lives in the apartment next to ours. I see. He's a lawyer at law. Uh, attorney at law, Susan. He pretends he brought me to see you, but he really came to visit Mother. Oh, hell, brother. I must say you're the best-looking Santa Claus Mother ever hired. Oh, thank you. Your whiskers aren't loose at the side. Well, that's because they're real, just like I'm really Santa Claus. Oh, now stop. Now go ahead. Come on, pull them. Pull them? Go ahead. Uh, all right. Oh, ouch. Well, they're on pretty tight, all right. Now... Now what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Susan. There's Mother now. I'm dead. Susan, Mr. Gailey, I told you not to bring Susan down here. But your maid is out sick, and, and Susan was alone Mr. at Mr. Gailey, home I... I am bringing Susan up to face reality. Well, in reality, he came to see you, Mrs. Walker. Oh, really? I... Uh, Mr. Gailey, uh, will you step this way, please? Yes, ma'am. What's your name? Chris Kringle. That's your trade name. I mean your real name. Santa <sighs> We can talk here, Fred. Now, Doris... I keep telling Susan that Santa Claus is a myth, and you bring her down here to see thousands of children like herself worshipping a very convincing old man with real whiskers. What's she to think? What's she to believe? Whatever makes her happy. Well, I don't want my child growing up to consider life a fairy tale instead of reality. They keep waiting for a Prince Charming to come along, and when he does, he, he turns out to be someone they... that they... Someone they'll have to divorce? We were talking about Susan. Oh, in fact, I'm going to have to talk to that Santa Claus about Susan before he goes to lunch. Yes, Mrs. Walker? Uh, the 
The reason I called you into my office was to have you tell Susan here that you're not Santa Claus. Yeah, but I am Santa Claus. See, Mother, a girl doesn't know what to think these days. I want you to tell her the truth. Now, what's your name? Chris Kringle. See? I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. Now, see here, I... Excuse me a moment. Yes, Mrs. Walsh. Miss Thomas, will you get out an employment card filled out by a Mr. Chris Kringle, if there is one? I'll wait. I'll bet you're in the first grade, Susan. Second. Second? I'm very advanced. Oh, oh. Here it is, Mrs. Walker. Mr. Chris Kringle. No. Yeah, Chris Kringle. Residence, Brooks Memorial Home for the Aged. Age, as old as my tongue and a little older than my teeth. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what I think? Yes, the same thing I think. I think he's nuts. That's what I think. He really believes he's Santa Claus. With bells on. Well, you better get rid of him. He might be dangerous. Thank you, Miss Thomas. I agree. Uh, uh, Mr. Kringle, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to make a change. Have I done something wrong? Well, no. Uh, that is not wrong. But, oh, excuse me. Uh, yes? Mr. Macy's on the phone. Oh, put him on. Mrs. Walker. Uh, yes, Mr. Macy? I have just heard about your new Santa Claus. Oh, yes, Mr. Macy. I was just going into that, Mr. Macy. The I... idea, the very idea of his telling people that if Macy's doesn't have it, to go to Gimbel's. Well, I have him right here. Gimbel's? Directly across the street. Imagine, Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimbel's. Wonderful. Huh? The public response is wonderful. We're getting to be known as the helpful store, the friendly store. The store that places public service ahead of profits. And consequently, we'll make more profit than ever. Uh, yes, sir. Great idea, Mrs. Walker. Great work. Keep it up. Uh, yes, Mr. Macy. And above all, keep that Santa Claus. Keep him? But he's... Well, he, he's... He's great. But, Mr. Macy, I don't... Goodbye, Mrs. Walker. Uh, Mr. Macy? Mr. Ma... Oh. <sighs> Mr. Kringle. Yes? Mr. Macy suggests that we try you out a little longer. Well, that's mighty good news, Mrs. Walker. You see, this is quite an opportunity for me... Yes, for the last 50 years or so, I've been getting more and more worried about Christmas. Seems we're all so busy trying to beat the other fellow in making things go faster and look shinier and cost less. But Christmas and I are sort of getting lost in the shuffle. And Christmas is still Christmas. Oh, but it isn't just a day. It's a frame of mind. And that's what's been changing. That's why I'm glad I'm here. Maybe I can do something about it. Oh, I'm glad I met you and your daughter. <laughs> Thank you. You two are a kind of test case for me. What's a test case? Well, if I can make you and your mother believe oh, in me... Oh, speaking of tests, Mr. Kringle, would you kindly report to Mr. Sawyer's office the first thing tomorrow morning? Mr. Sawyer? Yes, he'll give you an examination. A mental examination? Oh, it's just routine. All of our employees are required to take an examination. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> I've taken dozens of examinations. Never failed one yet. I'll see Mr. Sawyer first thing in the morning. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, Mrs. Walker. Bye, Susan. Goodbye, Mr. Kringle. Oh, oh, excuse me, Chris. I was just leaving. Bye. Oh, hello, Doris. How are you, Susan? I'm fine. Mother's got problems. Fred, I'm worried about Mr. Kringle. Worried? Why? Well, I think he's mentally unsound. I think he's a fantastic, delightful, and unselfish human being. And if being delightful, unselfish, and human is bad, what's good? Well, Mr. Macy likes him, so I have to keep him. But not if he's insane. Oh, nonsense. Well, he thinks he's Santa Claus. Well, maybe he is. Well, suppose he gets worse. Suppose he gets violent. Chris! Nevertheless, I'm having Mr. Sawyer question him tomorrow. Only, how can I be sure that Kringle will even show up tomorrow? It's easy. I'll take him home with me tonight and bring him to work in the morning. 
Oh, would you? All you have to do is to marry me. Fred. When I can afford it. Do it, Mother. Susan. Well, then at least have me in to dinner tonight. With Mr. Chris Kringle, my house guest of honor. All right, I love this story. Miracle on 34th Street. you got to love it, right, right I Lisa? I do, I do, I love it. All right, so uh, we're celebrating Christmas here on Hollywood 360. It's Christmas week, and uh, it is Miracle on 34th Street, the great Edmund Gwen. We'll get back to that in just a few moments. What movie is this, Lisa? Samuel L. Jackson action thriller from 2006. Oh, wrong button. We gotta clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah. Enough is enough. All right. So, what movie is that? A uh, kind of a wacky movie with Samuel L. Jackson, 2006 action thriller. We gotta clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah. Enough is enough. Enough is enough, Lisa Wolf. I tell you that every day. All right, call us right now, toll-free, 855-360-H360. The H is a four. Call now, win some fabulous prizes. We'll be right back. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All righty, Lisa. This is our Christmas show, celebrating Christmas here. A little Christmas cheer. What did you buy me for Christmas? I, That's all I care about anyway, I really. I bought you a present, and I will you give it to Scrooge. you tomorrow. Yeah, bah humbug, <laughs> Lisa Wolf or Lisa Matanky. If you're nice, I won't return I, it between now and then. I'm a large. <laughs> Unless it's a Donna Karen, then I'm a large, extra large, I mean. Uh, no, it's not clothing. No, Donna Karen runs it's, small. It's you know? an accessory. You know too much about or fashion. Burberry. If it's Burberry, I need an extra large. Unfortunately, I didn't have quite that much money. Didn't spend the shekel for me, <laughs> no, did it you? It was only 500 Lisa. not 800 All right. It's I like nice. Burberry. I like Donna Karen. You'll like this. But I need extra large there. Ex- you're an extra large kind of a guy. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big man, Lisa. I'm a very big boy. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. All right. Otherwise, just a large will do. What'd you get for me? Um, I didn't buy you anything. What? Not yet. I, I, I will. accept cash. I have not PayPal. gone. I have not done any Christmas shopping. MasterCard. I don't know what my problem is. I've had a lot on my plate the last couple of yeah. weeks. You know, done any Christmas cash shopping. is always appreciated. All right. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I digress. Let's play this clip. You ready? Here is another clip. Samuel L. Jackson. We gotta clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah. Enough is enough! Alright, let's check in with Christopher from Ohio. What's up, Christopher? Hey, happy Christmas and God bless you guys. Hey, happy Christmas to you. God bless you. So, uh, what's going on, my friend? Well, sir, I'd like to go ahead and hit you with a Christmas trivia question. All right, I'm ready. Lay it on me. Okay. Uh, a person asked a, f- a fellow from a 1981 production a question. Uh-huh. He says, we have a very worthy charity for the care and feeding of stray cats. Huh. And one of the main members of the production, who happened to have been Vincent Price, responds, oh, he's like, oh, so you can always think you're doing something for the kitties. Oh, what a wonderful racket. I mean, cause, cause, which Christmas production from 1981 is that? You know what? I, you have me completely stumped. I cannot think of anything with Vincent Price from 1981. I'm, I'm having a uh, complete 
blank. What is it? It was. It, this is a ringer for you because it wasn't regular TV. Yeah. It was the HBO production with Red Skelton oh, and the, Vincent Price. Yeah. Red Skelton slash Freddy the Freeloader's Christmas Dinner. Oh, right. Okay, so that was... Right, so I was thinking it was some kind of a movie, but no, yeah. So Vincent Price was on Red Skelton's show, Freddy the Freeloader. Yes, it's coming back to me now from 81. Yes. By the way, it, it, the whole thing is available in clips on YouTube. Oh, very and cool. It's re- really terrific this time of year. Very, very cool. All right, tell me the name of this movie. Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. Absolutely right. You're going to win some fun prizes, okay? Hey, happy Christmas and God bless you. Yeah, you too, Christopher. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, Christopher knew it, Lisa. little trivia here. All right, Samuel L. Jackson, Juliana Margulies. 450 snakes were used, including one 22-foot-long Burmese python. But most snakes were digitally created because the real snakes did not move as much as the filmmakers wanted. I'm afraid of snakes. I know. I'm afraid of you. <laughs> I'm afraid of snakes and you. <laughs> well, let's get back to Miracle on 34th Street on the screen, Director's Playhouse. Well, that evening, Chris Kringle went home with Fred Gailey. And after dinner in Doris Walker's apartment next door, Chris left Fred and Doris to discuss child psychology or uh, something and stole quietly into Susan's bedroom. Susan, sophisticated child, was in bed, blowing bubblegum bubbles. Oh, that was a big one. Susan, why don't you give me a chance to prove to you that I'm really Santa Claus? There is no Santa Claus. Oh, now there must be something you want for Christmas. Mother will get me anything I want. Oh, but there must be something she can't get you. Well... Ah, there is something. I... I'd like a house. What, you mean a doll's house? No, a real house. To live in. A real house? If you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. If you can't, you're only a nice man with a white beard, like Mother says. Oh, but you've got this lovely apartment to live in. I want a backyard to play in, and grass, and a white picket fence and rose bushes. But Mother can't afford it, and I guess you can't get it, huh? No, no, I, I didn't say that, you know. I, uh, I... Well, I've got to see Mr. Sawyer first thing in the morning. I'll get right to work on it after that, Susan. Tomorrow. Now, tell me, Kringle, how many days in the week? Seven. Who was the first president of the United States? George Washington. Uh, How much is uh, three times five? Well, you asked me that before. Did you... I'm conducting this examination... How much is three times five? Well, same as it was before, 15. You're, you're rather nervous, Mr. Sawyer, aren't you? Do you uh, get enough sleep? Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? Three? Oh. Oh, you bite your nails, too. Crinkle. <laughs> you know, sometimes nervous habits like yours are the result of insecurity. I didn't ask you. Oh, I just want to be helpful. I didn't ask for help, you fuzzy old crackpot. Sawyer, that's hardly the proper way to conduct a mental examination. Oh, you... you, I'm wasting my time on a hopeless case. Get out. Mr. Sawyer. I said get out. Mr. Sawyer, I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for imposters and quacks. You see, I beg your pardon. I should like to see your degree in medicine. Get out. Also proof of your specialization in psychiatry. Get out. Get out. Now, either you stop analyzing people, or I'm going to tell Mr. Macy what a contemptible, vicious, malicious fraud you really are. I... I... 
I'll have you committed to an insane asylum. Well, you're the one who needs treatment. But you lunatic, are you saying I'm crazy? Now, put down that inkwell. Uh, put down that cane. Put down that inkwell. Uh, you go first. I'd better. You're dangerous. Uh, you... Uh, when he recovered, Mr. Sawyer jingled Bellevue. And that is how Santa Claus, alias Chris Kringle found himself that very morning in the violent ward at Bellevue Hospital. You are listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen in his original Academy Award-winning role of Chris Kringle. That afternoon, Fred Gailey, attorney at law, came to visit Chris Kringle in the violent ward at Bellevue Hospital. All right now, Chris, why did you do it? Why did I conk Mr. Sawyer? Why did you fail your examination by the doctors here at Bellevue? You did it deliberately. I did. I said the first president of the United States was Calvin Coolidge. But why? Well, Fred, the last few days, I had a feeling people were warming up towards each other. Macy's sending customers to Gimbel's. Gimbel sending customers to Macy's. Gimbel and Macy shaking hands. Vizinski saying yes. People were beginning to make some sense, even if Doris did doubt me. Doris hasn't believed in anything for years, ever since her marriage. Well, it wasn't just Doris. It was Sawyer. Now, he's contemptible, dishonest, selfish, vicious, yet he's out there and I'm in here. He's called normal. I'm not. And we've got a world full of Mr. Sawyers. And if that's normal... I don't want it, Fred. That's why I answered those questions incorrectly. But, Chris, what happens to a lot of people, like me, who do believe in you and what you stand for? What happens to people like, like little Susan, just beginning to believe? Susan? Are you going to let her down? People like that? Well, I... I hadn't thought of that, Fred. Are you going to quit right in the middle of your job? Gee, you're right, Fred. I'm ashamed of myself. Let's get out of here. Uh, not so fast, Chris. Getting in here was easy. Getting you out will be a lot harder. Oh, not for you. You're a fine lawyer. Perhaps, but... But what? You've been ordered committed to a mental institution. Oh, I see. However, I've requested a formal hearing. And it's been granted. But the issue being, do I jingle the bells or do the bets run the belfry? of Santa who launched Goodwill Campaign. Springle crazy, court case coming, calamity cry kiddies. Your Honor, the commitment papers being before you, I should like to call the first witness. Mr. Uh, Chris Kringle, will you please take the stand? Delighted to do so, Mr. Prosecutor. Uh, Mr. Kringle. Your Honor. This is merely a hearing. You do not have to answer the questions or even testify at all. We have no objections, Your Honor. Well, I'll be glad to answer any questions I can. You may question the witness, Mr. Prosecutor. Thank you, Your Honor. Tell us, sir, what is your true name? Chris Kringle. And uh, where do you live? Well, that's what this hearing will decide. <laughs> Mr. Kringle, do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Of course. 
perhaps, perhaps the witness doesn't understand the question. I understood the question perfectly, Your Honor. In which case, Your Honor, the state rests. In uh, view of the defendant's statement, does counsel for the defendant wish to put in a defense? Your Honor, the entire case against my client boils down to this. The prosecution contends that Mr. Kringle is not sane because he believes himself to be Santa Claus. That is true. But if Mr. Kringle were the person he believes himself to be, he would be as sane as we are. Correct. I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is not insane... Because he is Santa Claus. Fred, let's be sensible. You can't possibly prove that poor old man is Santa Claus. Why can't I? And he's not a poor old man. Logic, Fred, not faith and hope wins out in court. That's just common sense. And I guess in these last few years, you've developed too much common sense. Well, one of us has to have it, Fred. And both of us have to have faith, Doris. Or we're wrong for each other. I... I see. Even when I can afford it, we're wrong for each other. Well, I'm going to pray for Santa Claus. Mr. Kringle, dear. Santa Claus. I mailed your letter to Santa, Susan. Thank you very much. Special delivery. You'll get it tomorrow. Mr. Macy, I will turn the questioning over to a person you know, a person in whom I have the deepest confidence and belief, my client and your employee, Mr. Chris Kringle. But I don't know what to say. Say it anyhow, Chris. Come on. Well, they say that the man who pleads his own case has a fool for a client, <laughs> but I won't let down anybody who believes in me. You're a witness, Chris. Well, I... I don't know what to ask you, Mr. Macy. Just ask me anything. Well, how are things at the store? Pretty good, Chris. Sorry I can't be with you. <laughs> so are we. Mm. Your substitute Santa doing all right? Oh, he's just another Santa Claus. Oh, no, no, Mr. Macy. You mustn't say that. He isn't just another Santa Claus any more than this Christmas is just another Christmas. It's the same Christmas. Timeless and unchanging, with the same deeper meaning it always had. Same summons to all men to have faith, faith in themselves, in mankind, in each other. Because if all the earth be laid in ruins and all our yesterdays and all man's wonders become smoke and ashes, and man remains, well then everything remains. For all we have on earth that matters is each other. And that's what Christmas is. A time for unselfishness, a time for each other, for goodwill and understanding, and deep respect for all our fellow men. Your Honor, this... Oh, very well. Christmas isn't just once a year. Christmas is always. Flowering, let's say, in, in late December. And your new Santa Claus isn't just another Santa Claus, Mr. Macy. To the purest minds, I mean the little children, he is Santa Claus. Because they believe he is. And that's, that's good enough for me, Mr. Macy. That's good enough for me. It's good enough for me too, Chris. Mr. Macy, do you believe? 
I'm Santa Claus? I certainly do. Thank you, Mr. Macy. Your witness, Mr. Prosecutor. Your Honor, this is all very charming, but... I must ask the court to demand that Mr. Gailey present competent authority. Competent authority, I say, for the contention that his client is Santa Claus. Have you such authority, Mr. Gailey? Not at this time, Your Honor. Uh, will that be all, Fred? Yes, Chris. For now. Uh, before you go, Mr. Kringle, the bailiff handed me this letter in care of this courthouse. It would appear to be for you. It's addressed to Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> The bailiff also informs me that the dead letter office of the post office department has forwarded some other mail addressed simply Santa Claus. Well, that's very kind of them. Your Honor, Your Honor, where are those other letters? I request that they be entered in evidence. I'm afraid that would be awkward, Mr. Gailey. What do you mean awkward, Your Honor? There are nine truckloads of those letters. <laughs> Your Honor, Your Honor... Counsel for the state has asked for authoritative testimony that my client is Santa Claus. The U.S. postal laws make it a criminal offense to misdirect mail or intentionally to deliver it to the wrong party. The postal department itself, therefore, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, as Santa Claus. Order! Order! Objection! Order! Objection! Order, I say! I say order! In view of such overwhelming testimony... Case dismissed. It was clear and cold when Fred and Chris Kringle got out in the courthouse steps. It looked and felt like a white Christmas. Like a good Christmas. Same as always. What was in that letter anyhow, Chris? Letter? Oh, Clean forgot to open it. I'd better, though. It's from Susan. I suspected it was. Dear Chris. Dear Chris, I don't care what anybody says. Even the judge. I believe in you. Even if I don't get the house. I know everything will turn out right. I hope you're not sad. Signed. Susan. P.S. P.S. I believe in you, too. And in your legal counsel. Signed. Doris. You know, Chris, it was Susan's belief and faith that made her write you that letter. It was her letter that gave the post office the idea of forwarding all those dead letters to you. Of course. A little child shall lead them. She's a sweet little girl. I wish... You know, Fred... There's a little Cape Cod cottage for sale out near the old people's home. Be just right for three people. I can't afford anything right now. Mm. Well, looking at that house a few days ago, I said to myself, Chris, one good case to bring him fame, and Fred Gailey could buy that little cottage and make a little girl extremely happy. Chris. And then Susan would know I'm Santa Claus. Chris Kringle, did you hit Mr. Sawyer on the head to... To bring all this into court. I don't know what you're talking about. Chris. Chris, answer me straight. Hmm? Who are you? Me? I'm Chris Kringle. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
I think the 500 children in our Christmas party audience tonight are much more experts at this business of make-believe than we grown-ups. So many of us lose the magnificent gift of imagination. But when it does continue beyond childhood, we call it talent. Now, I would like you to meet the man to whom I owe so much. Writer-director of Miracle on 34th Street and of such other films as Apartment for Peggy and the, and the soon-to-be-released Two Corridors East. My author-director, George Seaton. Thanks, Edmund. You know, watching these youngsters enjoy your performance tonight, I realize more than ever how an idea can grow into something real. Well, you mean your idea for the miracle story, George? No, no, no. That wasn't mine. The original story and the novel were written by Valentine Davies. But I had the pleasure of following it through as a screenplay, a motion picture, and tonight as a radio play. And if the story managed to bring a little more Christmas into the lives of these wonderful kids, then Miracle on 34th Street has worked a small miracle of its own. Well, then, tonight, George, as the creator of the picture, you are really playing the part of Chris Kringle. Oh, no, no, no. I'm still the director. And, Edmund, you are still Chris Kringle. Mm. And it's time you went to work. There are a lot of presents here on the stage and a lot of deserving youngsters to receive them. Mr. Director, I never had a happier assignment. A very Merry Christmas. And a Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, George. Thank you. And there it is, the, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen and Natalie Wood. That's right, on that. And they uh, are reprising the role from the, from the movie, as heard on the Screen Directors Playhouse, December 23rd, 1949. George Seaton making a curtain call at the end there, Lisa. It's heard on NBC. Do you enjoy that? I loved it. All right, very good. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Lisa, would you like 10 free classic radio shows? I like free. All right, so, so anything beyond that, the bonus. There you go. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. At the uh, top of the website, you'll see free 10 free shows. Just click on that, and uh, you'll get 10 free classic radio shows, 10 of the greatest shows of all time. They're yours uh, as a thank you for being a listener to Hollywood 360. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com and collect your 10 free classic radio shows. Okay, in our next hour, if Lisa allows it, we will hear Dragnet, a very famous Christmas story starring Jack Webb. And that's from 1949. Prior to that, though, my good pal Stan Freeberg and a recording from 1953, you'll hear Christmas Dragnet. That is all coming your way in our next hour here of Hollywood 360. Stick around. Lisa and I will be right back.